Good evening, and a special welcome to those of you joining us online. My name is Steph. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am excited to be able to bring you the message this evening as we continue on in our sermon series, Then Sings My Soul. Throughout this summer, we've been exploring hymns that have uh, stood the test of time and seeing what kind of truth they hold for us. Why have they held up for so long? Why do we sing them in church? Like, why have they had such staying power? So we're going to talk tonight about the hymn, What Wondrous Love Is This? And before that, if you would please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful day and for every individual here, for everyone who is listening elsewhere. Lord, I pray that you would have a word for us tonight, that we would hear truth from you, that you would speak directly to us, that my words would be yours, and that all else would fall away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I may be dating myself a little bit here, but um, I have a couple of boys, and they are 16 and 13, and the other night I was out with one of my boys, um, and we were in a place that plays all sorts of different music. Uh, they play newer music and older music, and by older I mean like the 80s and the 90s, which is how I'm dating myself, I know. <laughs> but So they were playing music that I recognized um, from when I was growing up, and then they were playing music from now and everywhere in between. So as I was listening to one of the songs, I thought in the beginning of the song, I was like, oh, I recognize this. This is my music. And then another, and then different lyrics started happening and different, all the beats and everything. And I was like, wait, this is not my music. <laughs> wait a minute, what song is this? And then I couldn't remember what song it was that I thought it was in the beginning. And I was like reaching back and trying so hard to figure out what it was because as a Gen X child, uh, I felt as I was growing up that I always needed to be able to somehow pull it out of the Rolodex. Like, what song is this? I mean, I understand that I have a phone and technology at my service at the moment and I could have just like shazammed it and been like, what song is this? And I could have looked it up and figured out what was sampled in it and then I would have known all the things. But I felt like I was potentially being a failure to my generation if I couldn't to figure it out on my own. And the harder I tried, the further and further away the answer got. Like, it was just out of reach. I wanted to know so badly, and it just felt just beyond reach. Eventually, I did uh, sit down, and I had stopped thinking about it. And, of course, once I stopped struggling so hard for it, the answer popped right into my head. <laughs> and I feel like that sort of describes my relationship with God sometimes. I feel like there are times when I feel so connected and I'm just like right on top of everything that he's trying to tell me and I can just know right away. And other times I feel like I, I just don't even, like I feel like God is just a little bit out of reach. Like he's right there and I know he's trying to tell me something and I just can't quite grasp it. And the harder I struggle and the more I pray and the more I journal, the further and further it seems to get away. Do you guys ever feel like that? Somet I mean, I really do feel like my relationship with God is like that sometimes. Like if I'm not putting the maximum effort in, if I'm not in prayer and I'm not hearing from God, there has got to be something that I am just doing wrong. And if I just try harder, it 
will happen, whatever it is that I'm hoping will happen. Does that ever happen to you? I don't think I'm alone here. I feel like sometimes my relationship with God is just out of reach. Like it is right there and just can't grasp it. If you're like me and you feel this, uh, you're not alone. There is comfort in this. Um, even the, so like, just like that sampled song that I was talking about a minute ago was passed from generation to generation, this problem, this problem of like crying out to God even and him not feeling close or you not feeling like you're being answered, this problem has gone from generation to generation. And the hymn that we're going to talk about tonight has gone from generation to generation. So that is what we're talking about today. The hymn we're talking about is What Wondrous Love Is This? So it's often, if you haven't heard it before, it's sort of a sad-ish song. It is one of the only songs that we do this whole summer that's in a minor key, and you'll see it has got this sort of almost melancholy feel to it. Um, And we'll talk about some of the lyrics during this message here, and then we'll sing the hymn afterwards. But it's characterized by this emotional and contemplative tone that it has. But it resonates with believers and people who are seeking to have this deeper faith and this deeper, closer relationship with God. It's a traditional folk hymn, but it's got sort of a mysterious background. Nobody really knows where the lyrics came from or where it started. They know it started in the 19th century, and then it's been passed down from generation to generation, and it has become a beloved hymn. But it does have this somber feel, but it's also this beautiful celebration of God's love and of praise. I think this minor key it being written in this sort of a sad tone, I think it was written from the valley. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, in a place where it feels sort of dark, and you're really trying to find God, but you can't quite find him. But you decide anyways that you're going to praise in the valley. The beginning of the song says, what wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. It's almost like whoever wrote the lyrics was writing from such a sad place and they're contemplating the wondrous love of God and then just trying to be like, but my soul, my soul, why does my soul not feel the wondrous love of God? But then still contemplating the vastness of it. So the song also gives praise from the valley. It talks of God's wondrous love. It talks of Jesus' sacrifice. And it talks of humanity's redemption. And those themes, even though they were written back in the 19th century, and we're going to see them in the Psalms today, those still ring true. It's a song full of wonder and love and sacrifice and redemption. But why is it so sad? (laughs) I think maybe it's so sad because sometimes we don't feel God. And I say the word feel specifically because we could know God's character, but sometimes we don't always feel it. 
we might feel far from God. If you've ever felt far from God, though, you're not alone. The psalmist today, we, as we heard, he cried out to God. Let's read it again. So this is a psalm that David wrote. It's Psalm 22, and I'm going to start right in verse 1. And it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. So even though the psalmist is feeling abandoned in this moment, he's crying out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you feel so far? He's crying out. Even though he feels abandoned, he has these great expectations. Because in the next verse, he says, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. He does, though, have great expectations that he is part of God's covenant people and God's covenant promises will be kept for him. He says so, right, in verse three. He says, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. So in the first verses, David is crying out. He is crying out, but God is silent. He says, I cry out by day, I cry out by night, still I have no rest, still I'm not hearing from you. Why are you so silent? But then he says, but you're enthroned as the Holy One, and, and, and you're the one that Israel praises. It's almost like he's wrestling with himself. He's trying to remind himself of who God is, and he's trying to remind himself that God is trustworthy. And then he goes on to say, in you, our ancestors put their trust, God. They trusted you, and you delivered them. To you they cried out, and they were saved. In you they trusted, and they were not put to shame. So he says, history tells me, <laughs> my ancestors say that, God, you are loyal. I'm crying out to you, but I know, I know that you are loyal and you are able to save. But this is personal now, right? Because David is crying specifically to God. He's saying, he's saying, look, I know you're loyal. I know you saved Israel. I know you saved my ancestors. I know all of these things. Why aren't you saving me? These were the promises that you gave my people. These are the promises you gave Jacob and Israel, and you kept your promises, but they're promises for me too. Why aren't you keeping your promises, God? Why don't I feel it? He is crying out to God, and this is so actually reassuring to me that he is crying out to God. David is known as a man after God's own heart, and if David is feeling a little bit far from God, and he's praying day and night, and he's still not hearing, and God is being quiet, even though he's a man after God's own heart. To me, that says, so that means I can take my cries to God too? Because God, we know, keeps his promises, even when you don't feel it. We have to have faith, though that God will keep his promises. And David shows in his writings that he does have faith. He goes on in the psalm to praise God and to believe in his promises. He doesn't leave us in this crying place. 
David's faith and the faith of his ancestors are the same, but their experiences are far different. So David continues to cry out. God delivered his people, but the psalmist, David, is still feeling abandoned. So we've got this urgent prayer of David met with silence. And they're both contrary to what we know of God's character and what the experience of previous generations has been. David is still crying out. Why? Why are you so quiet? Why are you so far away? Have you ever had a moment like that? I have. Um, this, uh, this last five years, I was on a seminary journey. So I was uh, working toward becoming a pastor. And within that five years, I had about a nine-month period where even though I felt I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing, I was uh, still praying, I was still doing devotions, I was still writing messages, I was still uh, teaching here, I was still uh, leading youth, I was still doing everything that I felt God was calling me to do. And he just felt far away. And I had this feeling that if I continue to just do more, if I just do more, and if I pray more, and if I work harder, then this feeling will go away, and I'll feel closer to God. I won't feel like there's a separation. I, I'll, I'll hear something from him now. He won't be so quiet. But just kind of like that song that I was trying so hard to remember when I was... Um, when I was out with my son, it wasn't until I stopped trying so hard that I started to feel God's presence again, that I started to hear his whispers. It was when I walked more by faith than by feeling that I started to be closer to him. But that was it. That was the lesson. I needed to walk more by faith than by feeling. And I think that we walk by feeling a lot. We go with the flow a lot of the times, right? We do what we feel is right. We have a gut feeling about something and we go with it. We feel things and we think that those feelings should lead us to where we're supposed to go. But we should be walking by faith not by feeling. Even and especially when God feels far away, we have to walk by faith. Uh, have you ever been walking in the dark? Okay, so um, I am usually the last one to bed in my house, and you know, I've got the two boys and my husband and a dog, and there's like a routine I go through at the end of the night, right? Everybody's already in bed, and I have to go make sure that the doors are locked, so I go lock the back door, and I go make sure that the garage is closed, and then I'm walking through, get the dog a treat, because he's coming to bed, you know? And I'm walking around in the dark the other night, and I'm like, oh, the front door is unlocked. So I walk over to the front door, and it's dark. But I know my way, right? I walk around in the darkness in my house all the time, not a problem, and then, <laughs> and then I tripped over someone to remain nameless's shoes that were laying in the middle of the floor. <laughs> but I tripped. I'm used to walking around in the darkness <laughs> in my house. 
And it wasn't until I tripped that I knew I needed to turn the lights on. And I think this happens in our faith life too. Sometimes when we feel far from God, it's because we just needed a little trip to know that we needed to turn the lights back on. We get used to walking around in the dark. And also, it was a reminder that just because the lights weren't on, it didn't mean that they weren't available to me. The lights were not on, but I could have turned them on at any time, right? So just because it feels like God is distant doesn't mean he's absent. Just because he feels far away doesn't mean he isn't there. In Psalm 22 that we read from David, he feels like God is far. But even when you feel like God is far away, he is right there. He promises to be. In our gospel for today, said that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's because of God's wondrous love that if you have accepted Christ as your savior, he is with you, whether you feel him or not. Because he promised to be. He promised to be with us. God loves you so much, he didn't just look down from heaven and shout at us from there. No, he came down to earth in the person of Jesus to love us, to lead us, to die for us, even while we were still sinners, and to forgive our sins to defeat the grave, to rise on the third day. And even after that, that wasn't close enough. Just coming down to earth as a person was not close enough. No. God wants to be so close that after Jesus ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. You cannot get closer than that. God lives in us. It's because of his wondrous love that we get that opportunity for him to do that. What kind of love is that? That when we were sinking down and drowning in sin, God would lay aside his crown. These are words from the hymn we're going to sing. He would bear our soul's curse, come to die for us, so that we might have the promise of eternal life. Sometimes I feel like God's wondrous love puts us in a holding pattern. And forgive me for the pilots in the room for this analogy. <laughs> but I was on a plane at one point, um, and I noticed, I mean, we were in the clouds, and then we were in the sun, and then we were in the clouds, and then we were in the sun, and, you know, we had not started our descent. We were literally going in circles. We were in a holding pattern. And every once in a while, I could see that there were planes moving below me. I could see that there were planes moving above me. And we were right in the middle, just in a holding pattern. <laughs> I felt like that when I was in my waiting period during that quiet time when I was in seminary. I felt like I was in a holding pattern. I could see things moving around me. I was trying to pay attention to what the, that like, if I was the pilot, I'm sure the pilot was in connection with the tower, right? But I didn't really know what was going on. 
I was just supposed to be obedient and sit in my seat. That was my job. I couldn't make the plane go anywhere any faster if I just wanted it to. I was in a holding pattern. And I feel like sometimes the wondrous love of God puts us in a holding pattern. But we have to trust during that time. We have to trust that God is working. We have to trust that he's working while we're waiting. We have to trust that if we do what we are supposed to do, which is be in his word, which is go to worship, be in conversation, be in prayer, take obedient steps that you know he's asking of you, we have to trust that we're walking by faith despite what we're feeling in that moment because that's our job. Our job is to walk by faith and to remember that he is walking with us. So what does that look like to walk by faith? Because there is so much noise around us, right? Especially this time of year, like Anna was talking about, there is so much because we're switching from, I mean, we switched from like baseball to football or cross country or whatever your fall sport is. If you, if you got kids, we're switching from summer mode and lake mode to like ramping up towards school starting. We're moving kids to college. We're T- taking kids to their first time at preschool. We're taking kids their first time at kindergarten. We are uh, becoming empty nesters. Like we are doing all of these transition things right now in this year. People even, if you pay attention, change jobs a lot this time of year. If you ever noticed, I used to work in fast food and I would notice people changed jobs a lot of the time around this time of year because people are almost waiting They're waiting for what comes next. And what comes next is being obedient in this moment. This year we're going to talk about in in youth programming how God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. And a prayer during the waiting can just be for God to light the next step. Light, if you can't see the whole path, just pray for God to light the next step. But there's so much noise around us, we can barely hear anything. So what can you do? What can you do to get away from the noise? Um, if it's, and it's different for everybody, right? You could go hiking, you could listen to music, you could be in a conversation with someone, you could meditate, you could journal, you could be in prayer, you could exercise. So many things compete for our attention. What puts you in a place where you can actually hear God? Maybe that is the next thing that you could do. But whatever is right for you, can get you, it can get you from a place of relying on your feelings and switching to faith and refocus you on God's character and his promises for you. Because what if we all focused on his character instead of what we're feeling right now? Well, whatever that is. Because God sent his son to save us so that generations of believers would be marked with the cross of Christ, would be sealed by the Holy Spirit, would share in his promises for eternity. So whatever season you feel your relationship with God is in, be reassured that God was and is and always will be the same powerful, holy, loving, merciful, mighty God. His character remains steadfast. And whether you feel it or not, his wondrous love is going with you. Amen.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love and for your guidance, for moments of rest. Lord, I thank you that even when we don't feel your presence near, that we can know that you are near us. Thank you for going with us. Thank you for being constant. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, I pray you allow us to ponder your wondrous love. In Jesus' name, amen.